0: welcome to a new episode of the Film Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're presenting a conversation with Steve McQueen, the director of Small Axe, and Dennis Lim, director of programming for Film Lincoln Center and the New York Film Festival. Among the most remarkable achievements in recent world cinema, Steve McQueen's anthology Small Axe consists of five films that stirringly chronicle the experiences of London's West Indian immigrant community across a tumultuous period from the 1960s through the 1980s. Each film is a distinct and singular work in its own right, and when taken together, they form a powerful, complex, immersive, and endlessly rich historical portrait of oppression, resistance, and survival, glimpsed through the prism of the post-colonial experience. Join Film at Lincoln Center to celebrate McQueen's accomplishment with a series of screenings of all five films within Small Axe, including a special two-week run of Lover's Rock, the opening night film at the 58th New York Film Festival. See Steve McQueen's Small Axe, along with over 30 other NYFF 58 selections, at Film at Lincoln Center's theaters during big screen summer. Get tickets at filmlink.org NYFF 58 Redux.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Dennis Lim, director of programming for the New York Film Festival and Film at Lincoln Center, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Steve McQueen, the director of the Small Axe Films. Hi, Steve.
2: Hi, Dennis, how are you? I'm
1: good. Nice to see you. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Absolutely. So just a bit of background for for those of you tuning in. We showed uh, three of the Small X films, Lover's Rock, Mangrove and Red, White and Blue at the New York Film Festival last fall. Uh, movie theaters were closed in New York City at the time, uh, so we show those three films at drive-ins and online. The films have since premiered. Um, they've aired on the BBC in the UK and on Amazon Prime in the US. And now, But now that cinemas are finally open again in New York, we wanted to do an encore edition of the festival to welcome audiences back to cinemas and to show some of these films on the big screen so we're kicking off this series with a a two-week presentation of the small x films um i just want to thank steve and his producers and the amazon team for making this happen we're really excited to be sharing them with audiences on the big screen so steve when we we first spoke about uh i think the first of several q a's we recorded last year uh, it was actually in the summer in august um you were still editing the films. Um, and yes. I think you said, you know, it was, it was just in some ways hard to actually process um, as you were working on them. You've had some distance from, from them now and they've aired, they've gone out to a wide audience. Um, are you still, are you still, are you still processing? Would you say, I mean, wh- where do you sit in relation to the films now, several months later?
2: Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm still processing just because um, the reaction of course, i processing and also, seeing things that I now recognize in a way and other things which are still, 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 um asking me questions. I think what's interesting about it is, for me, the reaction and response to the pictures, which was, you know, amazing in the sense that, you know, the whole idea of, of these two of the films being at Cannes and, and, and the response to, you know, from, um, from all over the world, really, because I think, you know, from China to France to, you know, wherever, you know, again, Europe, it's been pretty amazing. I mean, I think for me, reason being reason for that is things which is so Pacific, so sort of uh, local in a way. And and the fact that it it can translate globally has been amazing. And, and, And it's just so kind of joyous for me, because again, you know, these stories were not told enough at the time they were happening. So the fact that they... Have reached such a broad audience has has given me a, a real a real sort of uh, joy but also a sense of, of reflection on what's possible within cinema. Obviously, in every and anything is, but it's it's just wonderful to sort of feel that um, people re- can respond to things which are for me very kind of personal.
1: I'm curious, especially about you know the response in the UK um, because airing on. I, I'm, I'm excited to, to see them on the big screen, but I think, you know, it's also very meaningful that they were shown on the BBC um, in terms of accessibility. Um, and, you know, this being about, as you said, untold stories of, of Black British lives. So, you know, I was curious about... Yeah, I mean,
2: about. it was very important that it for me it was on the BBC. Like as I said before, I, was, I wanted my mum, I wanted my mother to, to, to see it and the fact that it, it sort of could, could go through the bloodstream of the country through the BBC and any and everyone could have accessibility to these films was 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 wonderful. That the the, 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 the idea that any any and everyone within you know, the United Kingdom can have accessibility to, to these films was like very very important. Uh, so that broadness of scope, and also you know the fact that you know as well, I've I've never experienced anything like it actually. I mean, I've been very fortunate to premiere um, uh, my films in Cannes and Venice, New York Film Festival, of course, and you know again everywhere you know we've been very fortunate but to sort of de- sort of have a, a debut on on, yeah. on on British TV and see Herring and seeing all those responses it's of course quite emotional because in some ways you're you're invited into people's homes you know uh, you' you're invited and I think there's a, a there's a layer there's a certain kind of a, a, a one removed layer taken away because you're intimate with with, with the viewer in their home you're, you become a guest um, and to have that kind of re- reaction and response that we did, it's, it's, I was very, I was, I was very, I um, was quite moved. Mm. As well as, of course, when we pre- premiered the movies, I mean, the first time actually we, my goodness, was the, I think the first time they were premiered in the world was New York mm. Folk Festival. Mm. My goodness.
1: Well, Love yeah, as Rocky yeah. was the first one, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was a, I think that was a very emotional um, evening for for us watching that watching, uh, the drive-in but you know to just just continue a little bit more about specifically the british response because there, there's mm-hmm. the stories about you know british lives black british lives yeah. um many of these stories um many of these incidents for i think american viewers will be you know will be new to them but i'm wondering mm-hmm. just how 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 new something like like the mangrove nine like is was is would that have been some you know is that something that would have been known to a younger generation or is it something that's actually no, been, been included?
2: Yeah. Not specifically. I mean, a lot of history was swept beneath the carpet. A lot of history was swept beneath the carpet. I mean, there was, obviously people within the West Indian community, you know, a lot would, would have known, but a lot wouldn't have known because again, after, I mean, this was, this is one of this was one, one victory in a lot of defeats uh, during that time, you know? Um, and I think, you know, the people who, you know, I know of, of, of personally firsthand because my father was a friend of of, of Roland Gordon, mm-hmm. and you know, the day after the trial, um, which they you know won, uh, you know, he was uh, you know beat up by the police. His leg was broken. He's put in the prison for aggravated assault. This is the day after the trial. So there was a lot of trauma, um, obviously, um, after the uh, the trial, and and people were. Um, uh, Victimized and, and and families were sort of uh, you know you know destroyed you know similar to you could think you know people in the Black Panther Party and and the children of and you know people were were targeted and um, so therefore I think a lot of times people didn't want to talk about it because they didn't know who they were talking to and who they could trust so again it was one of the most important you know cases uh, in 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 in, uh, in in British history as far as in the last sort of. Well, in the last, definitely 80 years, you know, it was the longest trial during that time. Um, what was it, 70? I can't remember. Was it, I can't remember I know, was it 70 odd days or whatever? Um, it was heavy. You know, it, It's one of those things which got swept underneath the carpet. So again, you would have thought it would be no, well known, but it wasn't. And therefore that was our job uh, to sort of make it known and get people sort of um, interested in, in what happened. So what was important for me in, in in actually filming of, of the, the, the story of, of of Frank Critchlow. I mean the fact that this this, this gentleman opens a cafe, and it becomes the centre of uh, the British establishment's worries about racial Asians in in UK, and the, you know and the and the constant harassment, and it gets to a situation where it goes to the highest court in the land, the Old Bailey, which is reserved for you know uh, crimes of treason or murder, and these people are being sort of uh, you know put on the stand for. Uh, um, uh, right in the fray tells you the extent of uh, uh, what, the, the, what the establishment um, thought that the threat of uh, um, this sort of cafe was, because basically it was a meeting ground for people to to converse, to eat. there were activists there, there were working-class people there, it was a home away from home, and they thought that this could be a breeding ground for something bigger, so they want to stop it in, in, in its tracks. Yeah.
1: I wanted to ask you about... Um you know, it's just this question of, of of timing. Um, I think the first conversation that we had about um, these films was almost exactly a year ago, because we were talking mm. right in the wake of um, George Floyd's murder, while you were making these films. Um, and I think this in, inevitably, the films have been. Obviously, they're, they're period films, and they look back to to an earlier time. But they they, they are they have also been framed um, as films of this moment of um, reckoning, of um, an openness to you know having conversations about racial justice and systemic racism. And how do you how do you feel about that? I mean, obviously, all art is you know in conversation with its moment in some way. But I think this is especially. I think an especially acute example um, of, of a film just, of, of a series of films just sort of yeah. meeting the moment without you obviously consciously setting out to do so because you started you know, working on this before 2020.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't feel great about it. I mean, I, I wish George Floyd was still, was still alive today. So, you know, the whole idea of art sort of um, marrying what's happening now in this, in this case, I find it very unfortunate. But at the, at the same time, every single film. In small acts, has something about the police yeah. and the constant harassment of the police in one way, shape, form or the other. You know, we have a a, a, a a film, an episode red white and blue, where people are so fed up with that that they think, okay, they can sort of, you know, intervene by joining it and changing from the inside. Of course, um, we find out that that's not actually possible. Um, so, you know, it's almost like <laughs> a constant, unfortunately. Um, and I think what it is, in some ways, in in in, in a way, um, it's how black people in the West, all over the world's lives are 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 tampered with um, and seen as a threat. You know, again, you know, you 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 know you, you know in this in this same year, last year, I mean, what happened in in uh, in, in, in Paris with that DJ? Yeah. You know, you um, know, you know, you know, and had he, had there not been a camera in his in his room, and if he had not screamed for his friends. Knowing what, what would have happened to me, you know, it, the, the whole thing is just what can I say, really? Um, I, I, how do I answer that question, Dennis? Um, is a question that you ask, or is it just sort of, I'm just sort of meditating on what you mm-hmm. said? It's, I mean, if anything, what it, what, it, what, it, what it does is just, if anything, what it, what it does, it just tells you that um, this is not a coincidence. <laughs> you know, no. If you, to, to, to say the obvious. It's
1: mm-hmm. really obvious. Yeah. But and it's I not
2: heard... local to UK, mm-hmm.
0: obviously.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask about timing in a different sense in terms of why you thought this was the moment, you know, to make these films for you. Because you know, you you you've been an established artist and filmmaker for for years. You know, you made films about like the Irish hunger strike and American slavery and and you know why why this was it? did you not make these films earlier because you weren't ready or because you felt maybe the industry wasn't ready or obviously there are stories that you've that no, no, have been no, with you
2: no, I, I, when, I, when i when i first did hunger i mean i you know i thought you know i thought you know again it, i you know I, I i wanted to make noise but at the same time i thought Ooh, well guess what this might be the last one I, I ever make so let's go out with two guns blazing mm-hmm. i mean you know literally i just wanted to sort of sort of um, you know that story about bobby sands was very personal it yeah. was very, you know, was very sort of, uh, um, you know, living in, in the UK um, and having that, that memory of, uh, you know, growing up with, 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 you know, bombings and the IRA and whatnot. And having that memory of seeing Bobby Sands on TV as a young child, not knowing what the number next to him was, was his age, not knowing that. And my mother telling me this amount of days this person was on hunger strike. It was a very visceral. And I thought, okay, well, if it's, this, this, you know, because I, again, I thought, you know, I wasn't here to sort of uh I wasn't, I wasn't making. I, I, film for me was all about, and the subject of Bobby Sands, in some ways, was all about feature film, was all mm-hmm. about narrative, because I, I, the idea came to me first. But what did they, what the idea what did, what did the idea want to be? And the idea for me needed to be narrative, because I never made a movie before, obviously. So that was, okay, this is what I need to do. This is how I have to do it. Because I thought, hey, it's going to be the last thing I ever make. But guess what? Maybe, you know, make some noise. And that's it. Goodbye. So everything I do in that way is never, it's never about um, a journey. It's just about, you know, focusing on one thing and that's it. When I came to the situation after, you know, um, Widows, I think, uh, when I thought, about okay, well, now I was planning it before then, um, but it was about, a mature, it was, <laughs> I didn't have the tools at that time to deal with the situation. I needed the, the, the perspective, maybe because my father passed, maybe because certain people were passing, stories were told.
0: Yeah.
2: And as I said to you before, you know, maybe no, I haven't said to you, maybe I, I've, I've told this story once before. Not so long after my father passed, he told me the story of him um, as a young man um, uh, going to Florida, because what happened was in the West Indies there was a lot of um, migrant workers that would go from the West Indies, they get young men to go and to pick, pick them up from all the West Indies, and take them to Florida, where they would go and pick oranges. So this must have been in, in the late 50s, mid to late 50s, my father was picking oranges as a young man, you know, these migrant West new workers, and they were at camp, and this camp happened, well, was barricaded, so they would go pick, pick, pick the fruits in the daytime and they were to be herded back to the camp. Afterwards, you know, and what happened one that one night is my father was woken up by uh the, 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 the two Jamaican guys and said, Philip, Philbert, Philbert, my father's called Philbert, 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 come on. Let, let, let's go, let's go get a drink. So, you just go drink, yeah, come, on. let's jump over the fence, let's go and get a drink in the town. So, one night they went. And they jumped over the fence. and They went, you know, to the nearest town. And as they walked in, it was like a, my father said it was like a saloon bar in the western. three black men just walked into the saloon. And then you can imagine people sort of like, just, you know, know, looking at these guys, mouths open, you know, 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 drinks in their hands. And these three guys walked to the bar. And one of the Jamaican guys said to the bartender, I like uh, like a drink. And the guy goes, um, we don't serve the N word. Because you don't serve the N word? Well, then we'll serve ourselves. So the guy picked up a bottle, Jamaican guy, and smashed it over the guy's head. And then he ran out. He ran, ran, ran out, ran out. And then my, my father said, after a while, he was running and he could hear dogs coming. He hear dogs and the people running, running after them. And then my father heard two bang, bang, two bangs, two, two loud bangs. And my that father kept him running and he hid in the ditch. And he said he was there for hours, hiding in the ditch, hiding in the ditch. Then he made his way back to the camp. He never saw those two guys ever again. So that was, my dad died. Yeah, and it was one of those things where I thought memories, stories, people taking things with them. I mean, why did he not, why did he not tell me that throughout my life? He told me that towards the end of his life because obviously he knew what was happening, what was, what was occurring. So with that ammunition and other ammunition, and and and, and, and wanting and need and a want and a passion to tell stories from a certain period of time, that's that's how it. That's what happened. You know, I I didn't have that before. Uh-huh. I didn't have certain things before in my arsenal to sort of propel me, to help me to sort of uh, tell these stories. Um, and that was it. Yeah. That was that was that was that was the main catalyst. I'll be frank. I'll be honest.
1: Right, because if you're reaching as far back as the sixties, I think you know you some of these people are are no longer alive. Too. No, none of the Mangrove Nine the Men time.
2: are alive. Only uh, Anthony Jones Laquant and Barbara Beast are alive. The two women. None of the rest of them are alive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, can you then say a little bit about you know when you said, you know the idea of Bobby Sands translates to 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 the mm. strong narrative idea for you? Um, can you talk a little bit then about finding the form, this unusual form, this, you know, this series of five films that all stand alone, they're sort of, but they're also interrelated um, in some ways. They, they, they resonate with one another. And, and, but they're also not um, a serial narrative the way television often is, but they're, you know, discrete, episodic, standalone films. Like, so why did you, from this, from this idea of wanting to tell these untold stories, how do you arrive at this form?
2: Stories that speak to each other. That's mm-hmm. interesting. So you could take one thing, and you see how that how that sort of traces to another thing. Um, why uh, got to that point where I thought we need the there's so many interesting stories that any I, I can't it can't be just one story over a certain amount of time. It had to be a, 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 a amalgamation of each individual story that had to have actually do interlace, mm-hmm. do tell you about things in you know in in one way or the other. Uh, in a roundabout way, I mean, about about criminal justice, about education, about music, about food. So you know, you can see little yeah. little clues, which which you get answered in, in in other in in other episodes, and other films. Uh, for me, it was it was also an ambition to sort of you know do as much as I can to fill the canon. You know, you know more stories. Uh, more understanding of, of, of that time. So that was it. And of course, these are true stories, or m- m- a lot of them. Even though I would say Blower's Rock is a true story because that happened to my aunt. You know, you know? Yeah. she was, it was just Cinderella, you know, going out at night, my grandmother, you know, sneaking out of my grandmother house i coming back in the morning, you know, time for church. So it was about that. It was about trying to say as much as I could through individual stories. That was, that was the ambition. And I think, yeah, you know, again, the people are open. I mean, thank goodness. I mean, it's, it's and also the, the timing. So the reason why each individual thing was different, One, you know, Mangrove was two hours and three minutes. I think, I think, uh Rock was 70, odd, 72 minutes. I think uh, uh, Red, White and blue was 87 minutes. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have commercials, you know, we, there's no, there's no, and there's no if, buts, or maybes in the certain ways of sort of having have to have a certain length of half an hour an hour, and also that's how much the, the narrative needed to be. Because what I wanted to make was, if I could, uh, perfect narratives, no fat, no fat. I didn't want to have any fat on the burn, meaning that it had to be lean, it had to be straight, it had to be taunt, yep. you know, very taunt, yep. um, no fat. Uh- for you, is there is there an ideal sequence for
1: people to watch these films And I mean, I know you know in some ways, Mangroves kicks off kicks things off chronologically. It's sort of the you know the the sets the stage for everything else. Although for the New York Film Festival, we flipped the order because we thought mm. Lovers Rock was mm. was a film to actually. That New York needed, I think, at that moment yeah. in time, you know. But I, I'm wondering if for you, with five films now that we're showing um, over the course of two weeks, and obviously people looking at them on on mm. Amazon, is there a preferred sequence for you? I
2: think, look, I I love the fact that you could you could dip in and dip out how you want, of course. And I think that again, this is a new, um, again, you know, I'm, I grew up in, out with albums and stuff like that, so you know, I I tend to be very, you know. What the artists wanted but no i love the fact you can do what you want i mean we chose lovers rock i mean you chose lovers rock rather because you know again i was like okay that was the movie that i when i saw it again you know again saw it for the first time i was like oh wow but somehow i wanted people to earn it let's get it let's get into this and then you know let's get if you know sometimes you know i don't know, blow it on the first on, on the first showing you know it's kind of like you know let's you know it, it, it was a celebration mangrove it was a you know again it was a victory it was it was a win so then you get into it afterwards and again but you have to what i love about showing mangrove first is you see the context of that world and then when you get to lovers rock you understand it you understand the the logistics of what was going on previously because don't forget these are the children of the mangrove you understand this is their you know this is their um uh mangrove the, the the these the, these blues parties. This is their church, as opposed to their, their their parents' church was, you know, the social club called the Mangrove. So you see the narrative, you see the progression. Then you get red, white, and blue, you know, and you see those children trying to have a career, trying to get a foot in um, the, uh, the, the 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 institutions, the establishments which 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 have are, are been put in place, uh-huh. and getting rejected. Yeah. You know? Again, I had I did have red, white, and blue as the last one actually. And then I swapped it over because I thought, no, no, it's got to be education. I've got to land on the, the, the possibility. And that's why you know, with, with, the, with the, um, the whole idea of, you know, outer space and the you know, auditorium and stuff like that, the, you know, the whole idea of possibility and, and you know, and an infinite amount of possibilities that we all have as, as, as human beings, as well, we would like to think we have as human beings.
1: Hi, I'm Clinton Crute.
0: And I'm Devika Gavish. We're the editors of Film Comment.
1: The Film Comment Letter is a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by Film Comment's editors and brilliant contributors.
0: The letter delivers exclusive features, reviews, interviews, streaming picks, news, and more directly to subscribers' inboxes every Thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday.
1: Sign up today at filmcomment.com to get the letter every week. Support independent film journalism. Support Film Comment for me it is significant that, that that education is the last one and mm. it is significant that education sort of ends um, that way as well and i'm wondering if you do you see the films as educations i mean is that some you know could you could you call no. could you call the series education as
2: no i'm not here to i'm not here to sort of no no um no um, it, it, it these are films and movies mm-hmm. These are films. I mean, you know, if you take, if if you if certain things sort of teach you certain things on the way, for sure. I mean, goodness gracious, I think my biggest education has been movies. <laughs> you know, that's the greatest thing about movies is, is by 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 coincidence or by you know circumstance, you learn so much about the environment, or all, all, all the people, or how people live, how people fall in love, how people argue, how people all these kind of things. It's marvellous. So, no, it's not. I'm not here to teach. I think it seems like, it seems like every now and then people say with, with, with people with, with, if if uh, uh, like black cinema or whatever it is one one wants to call it is is about teaching people. I'm not here to teach. I'm here to let. Yeah. Sort of, you know, express and, and to sort of you know I'm like anyone else. Um, so you know uh, no and uh, and just like as, as people with majority of white uh, with white people in their movies, yeah. it's not about teaching. Mine right. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I don't.
1: No, I don't mean that in a, okay. in a didactic sense at all. But I do, you know, I, I just think in the sense of um, showing that you know cinema has the power to address social issues, lived realities. Well, well know, great. We well, then say it.
2: About, good. We well, not say it like that because yeah. yes is the answer. When I saw sort of Battle of Algiers, of course. I mean that was an amazing movie, and I learned, learned a lot. And it was just, but at the same time, it was one of those things which was about the art it was sweeping mm-hmm. I think that's what, what one, one wants to do as well i mean obviously i mean that's what, what it is yeah um but it, it it's confronting it's, if, any, if, if you want to call it's, it's, it's kind of confronting yeah. um which is very important yeah
1: yeah for you in in you know in in again the phrase that we, we, you've used a lot and i keep using as i talk about these films is this stories that would not have been told otherwise that have not been told right so yeah. does does that bring with it an
2: additional sense of obligation or responsibility um it's a, it's as, a privilege yeah. it's a privilege it really is a privilege it's a privilege that i can sort of show you know you know you know how i grew up and uh, people with from my background and how they are how they lived how they talked how they walked it's a privilege it's a joy how they dress how they argued yeah. Oh, it's, it's it's an absolute privilege. Uh, no, I don't see anything else like that. No, I mean you know I don't know if yeah it's a privilege. I think everything I yeah it's a privilege. I,
1: I think for me, where that comes across, the act of care, uh, I think, and 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 love, that um, like comes across, in, in is is in the detail of all these all these films. You know, I mean, you know, there's they're powerful sort of set piece moments, but I think of. I think of textures, you know, and and moments and gestures in these films. They they often are what what stay with stay with mm-hmm. me, um, and it, it's clear how much how much work has, has gone into them. Um, but I I, I want to ask. Um, mm-hmm. I, I should just tell people that we you know we have recorded um q a's specific to lovers rock mangrove um and red white and blue but the two films we haven't really talked about um because i hadn't seen them when we showed you know when when they premiered in York film festival are alex Weidel and education so i thought maybe we could just spend a little bit of time sure. on 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 both of them um so um alex Weidel first um because i you've also this something that that um we see in alex Weidel is is the uh is the the brixton uprising mm-hmm. um and it's something that you've also now gone on to make um another sort of documentary
2: yeah series um, about, right? yeah it's called uprising uprising um uh, yeah we just we're just finishing that now uprising um it's um uh yeah it's it's actually focusing on the uh, the new crossfire which took place uh, in in um, uh, it was basically the, the, the thing that was one of the things which started the Brixton riots. One of the catalysts that actually, you know, um, which sort of helped. them. Well, basically, which which got people on. You know, again, it was one of those strange things where, you know, there were fourteen victims of the New Cross fire. Um, Thirteen people um, died in the fire, and, and but in, you know, there were fourteen victims. After that, um, and it was basically at the start of 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 of. Uh, well, it wasn't the start, but it was it was one of those catalysts that sort of broke the camel's back for the bricks and mines. And then with Alex Wheatle, we 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 uh, we obviously we, we 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 presented it in the film. But also more importantly, uh, uh, before then was the Black People's Day of Action, which is an amazing um, situation that happened in, in in the UK, where after the, the New Cross fire. Um, people from all over England, black people from all over England, all over Britain rather, came together to to, 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 to have this march. On a Thursday, uh, a working day to shut down central London and to walk through London, which was absolutely incredible. You know, tens of thousands of people walking, black people walking through London. Amazing. Um, and Oh, oh Alex, yeah, sorry. Sorry, but, but also I was going to say, um, Alex uh, is...
1: Like several um, people in in the Small Axe series, uh, a real person um, who and yes. the film is based on his his, his experience. So he was a, he was a writer you were working with, and you so, decided so, to make. it. Yeah.
2: So when we started Small Axe, like, I had a writers room, but then I focused on two two writers I wanted to work with, which were Alice Alice Sim, Sim, Sim Siddons <laughs> and a Courtney Newland. And what happened was before I asked everyone to empty their handbags as such huh, in the writers room, and then Alex Sweetle told his story. And it was such an amazing story. I thought, my goodness, uh, Alex, you know, it'd be great if you want to, to write that story, to, you, know, you know, but he didn't want to. So it was, it was up to myself and Alice's existence to sort of talk to him, take his notes and, and go off and, and, and write his story. I mean, I mean, Alex is, is a novelist, uh, you know, he's a, uh, a young person's novelist novelist himself and a great one. Um, but somehow it was maybe just too close to him. So we just we went about sort of uh, writing. And in a way, the, the, the his story is you know, taking it and p- making it into this sort of, um, as obviously the beginning is kind of dark because we, we meet him in a, in, a, in a sort of a boarding school. Um, you know, he grew up in an orphanage. Um, and he, then the second half, he's off to Brixton. So it was about sort of how do you present it? How do you, you know, and I, I wanted to do it in, in a way which was, uh, you know, it, it, it's very economic how we made it as far as time and what happens. And, you know, this it's, it's, I think it's the most, just to an extent if you could say conventional um, uh, film in small acts, um, because I just wanted to, I just want to get as many things in there as possible.
1: Mm. I'm curious about, you know, the, the reactions of the, of the real people to the, the films you made about them, specifically um, Leroy Logan. For red, white, and blue, and um, yes. the, and yes. the aunt who you based uh, *Lovers Rock* on.
2: Yes. Okay. Well, Leroy Logan. That's very interesting, because I think that the the black community in in, in UK didn't sort of um, didn't really understand Leroy Logan uh-huh. very much, um, and I think that the film has helped him be understood. I think that John Boyega' um, speech in High Park while we were making red white and blue as well so there's it was amazing time as far as an artwork is concerned when you know directly george floyd's murder was intertwined with um the making of red white and blue because we took a break in filming and then obviously and then also i think what it was it was our conversations myself and john's conversations as well at the same time and then george floyd and him coming back after that speech in high park and him doing the scene because immediately when he came back we did the scene of john in the um recreation room with mm-hmm. the stupid table and the place that was so they he was hungry he needed he needed something he needed to sort of chew on something after that so there was a beautiful amalgamation of, of 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 those unfortunate events obviously george floyd's murder and in the crowd strangely enough when John was doing that speech in Hyde Park, that was an amazing emotional speech, Leroy Logan was in the park listening to John. Wow. Um, so it was a really strange sort of, you know, mis- mm. I don't know, it was a yeah, it was a cross-section cross, cross of, of things going on. And I think that, you know, the West Indian, Black community in the UK see Leroy Logan differently because of the film now. They appreciate him more. For sure, absolutely, there's no, there's, 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 there's no, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, because obviously even myself coming into sort of wanting to make this picture, I, was, I couldn't, you know, it, it was myself and a uh, 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 courtier, you know, uh, approaching Leroy to talk about his story, um, which was sort of, um, uh, you know, it was actually, it was Helen Bart, when one of researchers, so researchers who introduced me to, to, to Leroy's story um i was puzzled by by the fact that um, you joined the police at that time especially um not wanting to spoil it anymore what happened to his father um so um the film definitely helped him his profile and and he was very chuffed he was extremely chuffed Mm -hmm. with with, with the film absolutely one of the day the only day that leroy was on set was when we were doing that there was a scene with these kids in um, uh, um, a social, again, kids at, at a uh, you know what is it? What would you call it? Um, uh, a club, almost like a, a social centre for children, young young people. So the scene is: John walks in as Leroy and a policeman to talk to the, the kids, and he's talking to them, and then as he talks to them, they all walk away from him. And Leroy was looking at the monitor. I was I was in the same room as him, but he told me afterwards he was he, he, that the to him every time he would walk into a room. And all the black children walk away, walk out. Yeah. So when he saw that it was really kind of it it it, it sort of stuck it stuck in him. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I, wanted that.
1: Sorry. Um, I wanted to ask about Love Earth Rock too. And you said, you said that this was, wasn't based on actual um, yes. events, but like this this memory this that you have of like your your your, your aunt sneaking out. Um, did, did mm-hmm. the aunt you you referenced, has she seen the film and what's yeah, she her was in
2: tears when she saw it? She was Molly, Auntie Molly, my, my auntie Molly um she um she well the one of the brief times in COVID, um that we had, there was a screening at the national film Fe- film theater uh-huh. um in, in the uk um uh, and there we we, we showed we showed we, had, we premiered some of the no well, premier there was a small screening there which was after new York film festival and she saw it and her, her eyes were just wet in tears because i think also when people are seeing things on that big screen and you know, since TV is one thing, of course, it's fantastic. But when you're in a, and the sound and the audience, and you, you, it's quite overwhelming. I think she was totally overwhelmed by it. I mean, look, sometimes I was taken as a beard to these parties by my aunt because you know, I always said you know, she's not going to the parties; she's going out with to the kids. And I'd be, I'd be, I'd be put on the bed to sleep, and I'd be well, I I'd I'd wake up, and you know, and then there'd be always coats on, on all on top of me, climbing, climbing out of these coats. So there was, it was very it was very emotional, yeah, um, very emotional. Uh, yeah, very emotional. And my mother was like, you know, yeah, you got it right. And I think it was also the detail, the food, the people. I mean, all these things I remember, you know, how people interacted, how it was a flow, how people talked, you know, how their language, their sort of, their, their body. Their, you know, again, there's a lot of people there who, you know, the actors who were allowed to sort of be rather than to sort of... Uh, react as such yeah. yeah
1: so i think let's maybe end with education just sort of where, mm-hmm. where the series ends and it's also the one that you've described as based most directly on on your own experience
2: well that i put my story because i went to school in the uh, early 80s mid 80s went to school um and that would have been my fate had i sort of uh, been you know been at school at that, at that time the early 70s you know there was these things called educationally subnormal schools. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they were called, educationally subnormal schools, the ESN schools. And what happened was kids were bust out to these schools, uh, and the large majority of those children were black, and they were wrongly put in those schools because you know it was to do with language, it was to do with these uh, IQ IQ tests, which were sort of um, how can I say, I mean, I we, I made a documentary about it called Subnormal recently. Yeah. I produced a documentary about it. And it tells you what was going on and what the government knew about this the system and how they knew that black children, majority of black children, a large pro- 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 proportion of black children being sent there for the wrong reason. And they knew it. And they knew it. And it's in writing, there was a secret document that was found, that was published. And that's how we got the 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 the, the, the book by, by Bernard Cor that you see in the subnormal, um, uh, excuse me, in, in in education the the film. Uh, so it was an amazing sort of um, uh, uh, time looking at that, um, and emotional in a way for me because, again, the only reason I'm speaking to you today is because of the black parents. Um, uh, uh, association and, and, and other sort of um, uh, um, collectives which prevented these schools uh, to um, continue. And, you know, we should be, I should be, you know, we all should be, um, how can I say, grateful to these black parents, not just for, for preventing these schools for black children, of course, but for white, white children who were there too. So everyone came have an equal crack at, at you know, a crack at, at, at life as such, and going on a bit. Um, uh, maybe I'm, I'm getting sidetracked, but I, I, I cannot say, I cannot praise these people enough. And I think what it is, is that's what Small X is about. Coming together, we could do so many things. And again, this is not about, as you said a bit before, about teaching. This is about, you know, one. if you could make a movie about Spartacus, if you can make a movie about uh, you know um, uh, Spiderman or, or you know Superman, you should make a, a movie about these um, you know the, these parents mm-hmm. who did uh, an a, you know a, an amazing act against the odds. Um, so that's what it's about. It's about the small things which are huge. And I loved Kingsley as 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 a character. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So just last question: Can you say a bit more about the importance of? of ending um with that scene um you know kingsley
0: mm.
1: reading um his parents his family his mother reacting to to that uh it's it's a it's a simple it's very powerful yeah. scene to end on i and,
2: mean i i'm gonna say that if if i could say if i have a favorite mm. uh, that would be my my, my, my favorite film out, 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 out the anthology just because it's it's, it's so modest, uh. we shot it on 16 millimeter. And uh. I the reason why, again, that, that 16 millimeter, I mean, I had problems with the BBC, cause they didn't want me to shoot on 16 millimeter. they said that it, it doesn't, uh, uh, there's some problem with with, with the you know, television transformation. I don't know, whatever, but we did it anyway, I wasn't gonna not do it on 16 millimeter. And again, I think it, it has that certain quality of things. I used to watch as a kid of this kind of, um, Alan Clark movies, but also in you know, a play for today, yeah. So there's a kind of the grain is there. The the grain and also so it, it actually glues, it attaches itself to the viewer. Mm. It actually attaches itself to you. But it's something about modest about also also the frame rate, the frame ratio, but also there's this an intimacy to it too. Um and then it's a child story. Yeah. Um and and in this sort of simplicity of just wanting to be allowed to dream. Mm. And 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 those dreams in some ways having sort of uh, you know. Um, having sort of obstacles put in front of it yeah and the fact that yeah. this child has been sort of uh, uh, you know um, you know it's, it, his development has been sort of uh, um, d- derailed a little bit and then he gets into an environment like these Saturday schools that I actually went to as well these Saturday schools um, where you are you could flourish where you can see people who have the same kind of interests who other and, and people are similar to you. And people are encouraging and, and supportive, and it was just very moving for me to see this actor, um, Kenya, sort of take the reins, and it just incredible. Yeah. I mean, I was like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" Yeah, I'm, not, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm right. So, okay, let's go, action! I mean, it was just beautiful. So the, the modesty, of it, and also, I just love where I put the ca- where you put the camera. We put the camera, you know, is it's, you know, is yeah. It was limitations are limitation is freedom. That's what it is yeah limitation is freedom you know you don't need you know you don't need to sort of climb mount everest you know um you don't have to sort of parachute off i don't know what climb or, or whatever sort of uh what they what they call it what do people call it um they what they say um robbie used to say this to me muller he used to say to me uh challenge you don't need a bloody challenge you just need to have been you know it's right underneath your nerves you know get on with it
1: i think that's a good 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 note to end on um mm-hmm. Steve, thanks again um, oh, thank for 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 yeah for talking yeah. us through the all five films. And
2: I, I, and I want to say again, it's you know what was so beautiful doing the premiere. Obviously, was very chuffed. Obviously, New York Film Festival, but the emotion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was hearing people. Ho- I was honking mm-hmm. their horns. People coming out of the car mm-hmm. and dancing. And I mean, I cannot say, you know, it was just incredibly moving. And, and, and uh, hey, cinema, vive la bloody cinema. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it was it was very special for us too um i hope people are able to catch these films now um again on the big screen or for the first time um and uh steve i guess we'll have to wait till the next time to have you in new york with us whenever next that might time. be yeah. you know? um but thank you thank you again
2: my pleasure thank you dennis take it.